The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And hello again, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. I'm radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and co-team physician of the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. As always, we're going to talk about a number of sports injury-related topics. We also have our website. Please visit sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're back to get it going right after this on ESPN 1000. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is... Falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Ow! That's not good. Or having an accident at work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Back here on Sports Medicine Weekly, and net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. We come your way each and every Saturday from 8.30 a.m. to 9, only on ESPN 1000 here in Chicago. Oh, concussions, Dr. Cole, right? Uh, that's the... Uh, Hot topic uh, this season, every season, right now. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, with football and everything else, a lot of fact versus fiction out there, correct? Yeah. Um, I, you know, let me give you a couple of tidbits. This comes from uh, the Norton Healthcare website, and we're going to have a guest that uh, is, uh, uh, I believe, the director of the programming there. But just to give you some of the information, um, you know, someone with a concussion should be woken up every two to three hours. That's something we've always heard. Yeah. Absolutely not true. That's good. Uh, drowsiness, drowsiness and fatigue are, are pretty common, and people need rest. They need sleep. They, they need uh, the ability to get the brain to heal and recover. Another one is that uh, uh, when you have a concussion, you lose consciousness. Uh, that's, that's not true. Less than 10% of people ever lose consciousness. Another one that comes up is you can't take any medications after you've had a concussion, and that's actually not true either. One of the, the myths was, well, you can't take an aspirin or an anti-inflammatory medicine because it might cause a bleed, but there are over-the-counter medications that you can actually take safely, but you obviously want to con- consult a physician. And the final thing is that, you know, to say, well, helmets and equipment can prevent concussion, uh, that's also not true. While they may reduce the incidence, uh, they're not going to eliminate the possibility of a concussion happening. So there's uh, lots of myths out there that I think people need to understand, especially as the education level keeps increasing at virtually every athletic level that's out there. You know, the one that jumps out at me immediately when you said uh, someone with a concussion should not be woken up every two to three hours, I always believed that that was the case. We were brought up to believe that. Oh, right. wake up right. this person every two, three hours so they make sure they haven't died. I mean, you know. Well, maybe our next guest can uh, help uh, us uh, understand why that's just a myth. And that is Dr. Tad Seifert calling us from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, topic concussions, fact versus fiction. And Dr. Seifert is uh, neurology, sports medicine, also an independent neurotrauma consultant for the National Football League and serves as the head of the NCAA's Headache Task Force. A lot of headaches this week going on with the uh, NCAA, we know. (laughs) But Dr. Seifert, um, thanks for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. I also want to get into migraines. Uh, First question, are migraines prevalent in athletes, uh, elite level and otherwise? First of all, I I want to thank both of you guys for letting me jump on here um, on a Saturday morning. It's been a it's been a trying week in Louisville, Kentucky, so it's good to talk about uh, something more positive, yeah. like sports medicine. Um, you know, t- to to get to your question, and it's a great question. Migraine actually is quite prevalent in the in the you know the lay athlete as well as the elite level athlete. You know, when you look at the lay population, about twelve to sixteen percent of of everyone walking around in the United States have migraine. So subsequently, it's not surprising to think that we would see migraine in our, our athletes. And in fact, uh, the NCAA Task Force, which you had referenced. 
We just published uh, just about three months ago our phase one study looking at the prevalence of migraine in NCAA athletes. And we looked at 834 athletes from Division I institutions, five Division I institutions. And what we found was that the prevalence of migraine is about 23 to 24%, so, so even higher than we had expected to find. So it's nearly one in four competitive student Division I athletes are experiencing migraine. So that was, that was eye-opening to us. Do you know why? I mean, I've, I've heard everything from stress to chocolate to red wine. Are we, have we ever, Doc, put a, put a you know, reason for people getting migraines? Well, there, there are a number of triggers. And, and when you think about the common ones, food triggers that you just mentioned, sleep deprivation, skipping meals, stress, travel. When you think about those types of triggers and then think again as a competitive athlete, that's something that they experience on a daily, if not weekly basis. And, and furthermore, you know, the increased prevalence that we found in competitive athletes, that was, that was a bit mysterious to us and, and still is, to be quite frank. You know, there, there are a few possibilities there. Number one, are we just seeing a higher incident or a higher prevalence in this age of individual where we know that migraine prevalence is quite high? Is it uh, due to just simply the public being more educated about what migraine is and we're recognizing it more readily? Or is it something more ominous, like the, the influence of contact risk sports and, and repetitive head trauma? Uh, we don't know the answer. Uh, phase two of the NCAA Headache Task Force is going to be to look at uh, a population of athletes and follow them prospectively, and that's where the answers are really going to come. It would seem to me that the way to study it would be a control group that doesn't have a concussion, that has similar subjective complaints of headache, right? And compare Absolutely. them into the incidence of, say, post-traumatic headaches following concussion. Is that something that you're actually doing? Absolutely. And that's, that's how the study is going to be designed. We're going to actually have the athlete cohort and actually stratify that into those with concussion and those without, and then the, the, the control group and stratify that into those that have had a prior history of concussion and those that have not. So we'll really, I think, be able to, to start you know, splitting the hair when we move forward. What's the, how does the treatment differ from a young person who has you know, di- a diagnosis of migraines compared to those who get he- continuous headaches after a concussion? It's, it's interesting. When, when you look at migraine, there's, there's fairly solid science now that suggests that, number one, those that have a history of migraine are actually slightly higher risk to sustain the injury of concussion in the first place. And secondly, there's, there's very solid science now that shows that those that have a history of migraine that do sustain a concussion have a more difficult and a more prolonged recovery. So having said that, you know, when I see individuals in my clinic that have a concussion, an acute concussion, and they also have a history of pre-existing migraine, knowing that they are at risk for a prolonged, more difficult recovery, that's an athlete that I'm going to be more assertive with treatment from day one versus those that don't have a history of migraine. Busy with Dr. Tad Seifert. He's on the telephone with us from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. This is Sports Medicine Weekly. We're talking about uh, concussions and migraines. And uh, Dr. Seifert, I wanted to ask you, how do we, uh, how do we define a migraine? I- I've had them kind of all my life, but I won't get them for maybe two years. But I never get the headache. I always get the aura. And can you explain what that is to people who always think migraines are a severe, painful experience? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you and I are very similar in that regard. I also, I also get episodic migraine with aura without, without the actual head pain. And, and that's a lot more common than people think. Yeah, but but the, the common migraine, what people think as quote-unquote migraine, is the severe, throbbing, pulsating headache. It, it tends to be unilateral in most individuals or just on one side of the head, but it doesn't have to be. You tend to have associated light and sound sensitivity. You tend to have you know, some nausea, maybe even some vomiting uh, when it's very severe. Activity tends to make it worse. When you think of actually, just, I think the week before last, 
Deshaun Kaiser, the, the Cleveland quarter, the Cleveland Browns quarterback, had to be taken out of the game for a time period because he had an exacerbation of acute migraine. He had a long-standing history of migraine. He was able to go to the locker room and get treated and come back to play, fortunately. But you know, migraine we now look at as a spectrum of, of pain and associated symptoms, but it's very, very common. Dr. Cole, have you ever had a migraine? Not to my knowledge. Have you ever had the aura? You know, we no. it's, it's, it's yeah. a series of flashing lights. It's the only thing I get. Yeah. And it is, it is, I hate it because you feel like it's not going to go away and it drifts out of your vision. So yeah, I always no, hear, migraine. is it the capital? What, what is it, Doc? What do they call it uh, that, that's, that allows the, uh, the aura to happen? Yeah, it, it's called cortical spreading depression. And what happens is there, there's a nerve called the trigeminal nerve. And we know now that the, the trigeminal nerve is very much involved in, in the pathology and, and the incidence of migraine. And what happens is that nerve gets stimulated for various different reasons. And it starts to relay pain signals. And those pain signals tend to start in the back of the brain, in the occipital lobe, and move forward. But when it starts in the occipital lobe, that's where you have you know, your visual centers. So when those are stimulated, subsequently you have visual aura, these, these flashing lights or floaters or even true loss of vision. That's, that's what an aura is when you experience it. And how can we treat it? Please tell me. Sure. <laughs> I've been wanting to for 50 years. Yeah, there are there are two different ways that we approach migraine. First, the the rescue type medication like a triptan, like sumatriptan or or naratriptan, and and those are medications that you just use with the onset of headache. If you don't have headache, you don't take the medicine. And then the other type of medication that we use is the preventive medication, and that's usually reserved for individuals that have headache, you know, more than three four days a month. The medication that they take daily every day to try to decrease the frequency and the severity of migraine over time. Dr. Cole, have you uh, experienced your Chicago Bulls or White Sox players with migraines from time to time? Uh, it does. There's a couple of guys who, who have had issues with it, and Kathy Weber, my partner, has had to help manage those. Uh, it not, not, not that common that I know of, but I'll be honest, this, this might be a phenomenon that I'm not entirely exposed to because these are sometimes things that Kathy manages and I'm not fully aware. I just have one final question. What's the role of caffeine in the management of headaches and migraines? I generally recommend to my patients that they don't need to completely eliminate caffeine. But when you start to have more than two caffeinated beverages a day, you start to run the risk of caffeine withdrawal headache, which essentially is if you have caffeine every day, every day, every day, and then all of a sudden you don't have caffeine, your body responds by having a headache. That can also happen with certain types of medications. You know, on the, on the, on the completely flip side of that, individuals that never drink caffeine, sometimes they find that to be quite helpful at the onset of their migraine. So it can be actually a pro or a con, depending upon how frequent an individual ingests migraine or ingests caffeine, rather. Great stuff, Dr. Tad Seifert. Really appreciate you uh, joining us and uh, lending your expertise. Thanks so much, guys. I, I love your show. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And we'll talk uh, more about sports medicine subjects after this on ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-Day Transformation Wellness Bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, Fat-Burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14 daytransformation.com that's the numbers one four daytransformation.com or visit karen's website at karenmalkin.com that's k-a-r-e-n-m-a-l-k-i-n.com Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. 
Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome back, everyone. Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole. Got to talk some Bulls basketball. Bulls back in training camp now. It's going to be a, a rebuild for the Bulls, but I can't wait to see some of these uh, young players play, especially uh, Larry Markinen, the number one draft pick. And you've got uh, Chris Dunn, who came over in that trade for Jimmy Butler, and also Zach Levine, who might wind up being uh, the best player. But uh, Zach uh, tore his left ACL, Dr. Cole, you know, on February 3rd while with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, has no restrictions other than contact, spending practice time on the court right now uh, during the teaching segments. He's in the weight room during scrimmages. But um, I want to ask you, Dr. Cole, about this uh, ACL tear and something that Coach Fred Hoiberg said, and I quote, as far as letting the graft mature, generally from what we understand from our doctors is it takes a full nine months, which would put us in the middle of November before he would be cleared for any type of contact, our head coach Fred Hoiberg said. So that jumps out at me and us reading this as uh, as non-doctor people, right, so to speak, yeah, <laughs> those who I mean, aren't doctors. What is a graft? And is a, I immediately ask, I want to say, well, I want to ask Dr. Cole, is a graft uh, associated with every type of ACL you do? So the ACL is a ligament. It's made of collagen, what most of our soft tissues are made of. And it connects the tibia, the shin bone, to the femur, and it's in the center of the knee inside the joint. Okay. And it is a ligament that provides stability so that when one cuts, pivots, or changes direction, or accelerates or decelerates, it keeps basically the tibia or the shin bone connected to the femur. So there's typically a, a, a very uh, abrupt giving way episode that leads to the ACL tearing. And then anytime there's a activity that sort of calls upon the knee to stay together, if the ACL is not functioning, it comes apart. So we use a graft to reconstruct it. It's, it could be someone else's tissue, what we call allograft tissue. It can be the hamstrings tendon. It can be a patella tendon tendon, uh, which we take the middle third of the patella tendon where it connects from the kneecap to the tibia. Uh, it could be the quadriceps tendon, which is up in the thigh. There's a lot of different sources for grafts. Uh, but basically the most common, especially in professional sports, is to use the patella tendon where we take a small piece of bone from the patella, the middle third of the patella tendon, and then a piece of bone from the tibia, and we literally drill a hole in the tibia, a hole in the femur, pass the graft, fix it with two metal screws, and there's a strip of collagen that recreates the ACL anatomically the way it was. Does wow. That, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm trying to it's picture sort of like, that. But, it's you know. sort of like a, a re, a putting a new uh, a band or... I'm thinking uh, of a rubber band. Rubber band that's not so stretchy be, that holds the two bones together. Yeah. So that's And we rebuild it, basically, because it's been torn. Wow. So what has to happen is, you know, at time equals zero, the ligament that we put in there is very strong. It can tolerate no brace, stair climbing, getting on a bike, even elliptical very quickly. We actually let our patients run at 12 weeks. The real issue is that, there, you know, when you think about it, you go through so much to get this reconstructed that as long as there's any uh, uh, chance that the biology will improve in terms of the strength and reorganization of that tissue as it heals, we generally are very conservative in our professional or elite athletes just because of the amount of force and the risk exposure they have in terms of minutes and games and so forth. So we try to minimize the chance of a recurrent tear, which fortunately is pretty uncommon. 
I mean, maybe in high-level sports, 8 to 10%, right? Of a retail? Of a retail. And all comers could be 2 to 3%, but in professional athletes, could be as high as 10%, depending on the sport. And that's because the force that they put on their bodies is so enormous, right? And the minutes of exposure are so significant in terms of sport risk that we just don't want to take any chances. So if you can minimize those chances through the passage of time, allowing it to heal, and proper rehabilitation, that's really in everyone's best interest. So look, if we were a month off or two months off, understandably it could affect a team and their outcomes. But the flip side is that being conservative, erring on the side of conservatism, can lead to a completely different outcome in terms of preventing this from happening again. Great. And we often say this on this show, ACL tears usually are non-contact compared to contact, right? Yeah. The most common way they happen is when there's some what we call perturbation. There's some abnormal movement that was unanticipated, and it's almost as like the brain dissociates from the knee, and the muscles don't contract to protect the joint, and the joint just gets excessive stress that gets transmitted to the body's ACL, and then the ACL is overwhelmed and it tears. The scary part is, and you've told me this many times, and I actually had a conversation with Fred Hoiberg uh, about a week ago. We were talking about Zach Levine, and I said, you know, Zach even says that that ACL is very strong right now. And then you've taught me on this show that usually the other knee is uh, not as strong as the reconstructed knee. Yeah. And so how do you yeah. how do you prevent the other knee from tearing? Well, you know, it's an interesting point. In, you, you know, when you say it, listeners will think one thing. Oh well, the, the new knee it's better to have a stronger ligament. Like I've had, we've had this this story about patients whose kids are throwing poorly. And they hear that after they get a Tommy John operation, they throw They're better. They're stronger right? than ever, yeah. Right. And, and, it's it, false. And, and it's totally false. I mean, they were playing poorly to begin with because they were having a problem, and then they fixed the problem, and now they're throwing better. Right. Um, in the same vein, when you think about an ACL reconstruction, the rehabilitation that goes into it afterwards is usually very different than what these athletes have done before they tore their ACL. Okay. So they're often better athletes a year after they return than they were before they injured it because they've rehabilitated the limb so successfully. And in fact, sometimes they rehabilitate the surgical limb better than the non-surgical limb, right? Right, Whereas the which re- is the other knee. So the other knee is under-rehabilitated. So the, re- the way we assess for that is we do these functional sports assessments. We actually do this at Midwest Orthopedics where we do a video analysis to assess five or six skills that are known to put people at risk to tear their ACL if they're deficient, right? And we use that to score them to make sure that they properly rehabilitated. So it makes sure each side is symmetrical. And, and Zach will undergo that type of testing as well. He's done He's done terrific. I mean, the, he's a great kid. Kid, He's not a kid. I guess to me he's a kid. He's a, he's a great athlete. He's extremely dedicated. And I think he, you know, should do very well, uh, all things uh, considered, uh, once he's permitted to go back to do uh, full contact, which hopefully will be uh, initiated around mid-November. Yeah, he won the slam dunk contest. He's an amazing leaper vertical wise and he says his jumps are even bigger or better than they were during the combine back in his rookie year so it's that's all about exciting the rehab. it's all about the rehab it's and fabulous. that's what's getting him where he's going and he's working very very hard that's dr brian cole head team physician for the chicago bulls I'm Steve Cashel, back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages. On ESPN Radio. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. 
Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Ow, that's not good. Or having an accident at work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Our producer board operator is Eric Ostrowski with help from Felix Reyes. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. This is Chicago's premier sports medicine program. And Dr. Cole, you have one of Chicago's premier great sports events of the year coming up uh, this week. We do on October 4th. It's the Chicago Sports Summit. Steve, this is the second time we've uh, conducted this. It will be from 7 a.m. till 12 noon. And the uh, objective is to raise awareness for uh, our youth, keeping them busy off the streets, keeping them safe and productive citizens, and hopefully uh, having an impact on um, and what's going on in the city of Chicago. Uh, so to that end, our, uh, the net proceeds of this will actually be for after-school matters. And those of you who may know that program, uh, it probably uh, leads to uh, about 15,000 of our Chicago public school children uh, having a positive impact it uh, provides programming for them. It gives. It helps them develop portfolios uh, for uh, their uh, college course. And uh, we, last year we did a very similar initiative. This year it's going to be three panels, and one of our panels will be on uh, keeping our youth engaged in sports. We're going to have a number of high-level athletes. The mayor has uh, agreed to come and make some opening remarks. Kimberly Fox, the uh, state's attorney, will also be speaking. We have Horace Grant, uh, Jared Payton. Uh, Tim, uh, Anderson Tim Anderson White Sox. White Sox. That's awesome. And, uh, and uh, Grant Costner from Athletico. Yeah, and Grant is with us right now on the line. Uh, Grant, thanks very much for, for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. You're one of the uh, panelists. You're also a senior vice president of clinical operations for Athletico. So um, tell me uh, why Athletico gets you know, involved with, uh, with the um, uh, Chicago Sports Summit and, uh, in your eyes, what it's all about, Grant. Yeah, this is a, this is a great uh, event for Athletico to be part of. Athletico does a lot of different community engagement activities throughout the year, and this is one that we're really excited to be part of. Just this week, I did a TV interview for the Chicago Sports Summit um, at the After School Matters uh, headquarters on Randolph, uh, right near Michigan Avenue. And they had an unbelievable setup there. These kids, they, they, they do vocals, they, they sing, they dance, they have uh, cooking classes. They're really empowering these youth. Um, to, to take active roles in, in building their confidence and their leadership skills. And that's just something that we're totally aligned with Athletico, is giving back, um, helping our communities, and uh, empowering these young individuals uh, to, to be better citizens and to be, to be more productive in life. It's, just, it's an amazing organization. Absolutely. And, um, boy, I want to tell you, ask you about Athletico, because it's amazing how uh, you guys have grown in uh, how many years now? Is it at least 10? Uh, uh, yeah, no, more than that. We, we were founded in 1991. Okay. Wow. You're going yeah, on got, almost got, 30 uh, years, 20, 25 years plus now. Yes, and uh, we've got uh, over 400 locations in 10 states. That's fantastic. And uh, it's, it started with uh, 
you know, I think uh, well, Mark Hoffman working, uh, you know, with rugby players or something. I heard way back in the day, maybe might not have that story right, but um, it's grown to what now, Grant? Yeah, it's an, it's an unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story of a physical therapist and entrepreneurial vision of of, of opening one center um, with a, a small loan from his friends and family to get this business off and running. And uh, his one goal was just to. Uh, it was down at, at, on Clark Street and in downtown Chicago, and his one goal was to just provide excellent and superior care. And uh, fast forward 27 years later, and um, you know, 400 clinics, look, you know, locations later, in, in 10 states, and that mission is still the same. Um, and he never, in his wildest dreams, thought uh, he'd be doing what he's doing now, um, offering services such as pediatric rehabilitation, vestibular women's health. But that's because we just got some really great therapists that are passionate about what they do. And uh, again, we're visiting with uh, Grant uh, Coster, Senior Vice President of Clinical Operations for Athletico. Let's talk about some of the hot topics, Grant, if we can here on Sports Medicine Weekly in uh, re- regarding recovery. Yeah, so I mean, the, the three panels, I'm going to be on the panel, the science behind sports, which is going to be um, a panel of, of people discussing the latest and greatest advancements and how they play in the roles of keeping athletes um, you know, healthy, um, both during competition, uh, off-season, as well as injury prevention. And I think as a physical therapist, which I'm a physical therapist as well, um, it's a really easy topic for, for me to talk about. I'm also a licensed athletic trainer, uh, you know, the men and women who are taking care of our athletes at the collegiate, high school, and professional level. So it's a really interesting topic to talk about. Um, injury, you know, there's a lot of fads going on right now in, in injury prevention. I think, you know, uh, every, every product wants to have um, their product positioned with an athlete and have a picture of it taken. But I think in the scientific community, as Dr. Cole knows, and, and Rush is, is unbelievably committed to research, um, which you articulated earlier, and you know, what, what we found and what we do find is the best research is, is coming out evidence-based practice, peer-reviewed, and, and really it's not fad-based. Just because something's new doesn't mean it gives someone an edge. And a lot of times if you see a professional athlete do something unique, the next, next Friday night, the high school athletes are doing the same thing. So they're very influential. People know how to brand. They know how to market these, these things. The scientific community needs to attack what are, what are the things that really help athletes. What gives them an edge based on nutrition? What gives them an edge in terms of cardiovascular training? And what gives them an edge in musculoskeletal health? And so as physical therapists, our goal is to optimize uh, body um, performance. And a lot of times that has to do with the musculoskeletal system. So we look at um, athletes' flexibility, their strength, their different biomechanics, how they jump, how they land, um, how they accelerate, how they decelerate. All those things uh, tie into optimal performance. And a lot of the newest technology, I think that's where the, where the most excitement in healthcare research and healthcare optimization of athletes is coming, is, is looking at big data around outcomes, satisfaction of different interventions, um, as well as how we track these athletes over time, and we can actually start to predict some risk of their injuries uh, with software. And that's a real exciting uh, future of, of healthcare. And again, our guest is uh, Grant Coster. I'm Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole, right alongside. This is Sports Medicine Weekly. You can follow us on Twitter at SMW Home, and we have a Facebook page as well, and our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. And boy, you think about uh, where it all was, Grant, back before you guys started with Athletico, right? Uh, even in the in the 80s. I mean, uh, such a need for what you guys do right now. Is it amazing that there, there weren't a lot of places like you around? Yeah, well, as Dr. Cole could contest, I mean, the way that we, we uh, recover and we do the surgery for an anterior cruciate ligament repair and the rehabilitation is wildly different. And that's because of research, um, understanding 
the mechanics and the rehabilitation, um, uh, what are the healing responses, what are the new surgical techniques that help with these healing responses. And that's probably one of the most exciting things. We're actually treating people better and getting better outcomes because we're using evidence-based practice. And that's what the science behind sports medicine is all about. Absolutely. All right, Grant, out of time. Appreciate it. Once again, uh, give us the info on uh, what's coming up this Wednesday, October 4th. I'll be there. Dr. Cole's on the board. He will be there uh, as well. Hyatt Regency Hotel, right, for the Chicago Sports Summit. Yeah, Hyatt uh, Regency downtown, October 4th, 7 to 12 uh, noon. Uh, still tickets available if you're interested in coming. Last year they had over 400 people, and we're going to eclipse that number this year. And it's the brightest minds in business and sports coming together for a great cause. Wonderful. Look forward to seeing you there. Take care. Appreciate it, Grant. All right. Thank you, guys. All righty. Back with more Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator and producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 8.30 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. 